Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 233 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story, the White House's most visible and coordinated response to the pandemic has been Operation Warp Speed, the project to fast-track vaccine development. Whether Trump wins or loses on Election Day, the program could be our best chance to get free from this outbreak. If he stays out of the way. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. Supporters of President Trump chanted, Fire Fauci! at the president's campaign rally Sunday night. The president made comments hinting he would fire Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, after the election. It's the latest attack on Fauci from the Trump White House, who criticized him on Sunday after Fauci warned in a Washington Post interview that the country was heading for a drawn-out period of illness and death. Daily cases in the U.S. are surging as Tuesday's election approaches. The current wave of cases is bigger than the one seen in the spring. Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank were among the companies that told U.K. staff that all but essential employees should work from home. England's nationwide lockdown will legally expire on December 2nd, but the government says it will look at a range of indicators before easing restrictions. Large swaths of Europe are also entering lockdown this week. Finally, a coronavirus vaccine under development from CureVac NV showed a good immune response in early trials, validating the biotech company's research into messenger RNA's ability to train the body's defenses. The most promising vaccine dose produced an immune response comparable to that found in recovered patients in an early-stage test, according to the German company. And now, for today's main story. Operation Warp Speed, the White House's effort to fast-track a vaccine for COVID-19, appears to be the conspicuous exception to the government's otherwise disastrous management of the pandemic. The project has cleared bureaucratic hurdles and awarded more than $12 billion in vaccine-related contracts, and has an overall budget of as much as $18 billion. 
I spoke with reporter Cynthia Coons, who wrote in Bloomberg Businessweek about what Operation Warp Speed is doing behind the scenes. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So Operation Warp Speed, formally described as a public-private partnership, but I was hoping you might just unpack this a little. What is it exactly and how is it structured? Operation Warp Speed is a combination of a number of different government agencies that have come together, predominantly HHS, the Health and Human Services Division of the administration, and the Department of Defense. So I think one of the more interesting things we've uncovered in our reporting is just how heavily involved the military is in the entire operation. So it's basically a coming together of a variety of different parts of the government that might typically be involved in pandemic planning, but not necessarily in this way. The U.S. government doesn't typically help build supply chains for vaccines from scratch, but there is some expertise there within the government that comes from the from the military that Operation Warp Speed is drawing on to make this vaccine possible should any of these vaccine candidates prove successful in combating coronavirus. Now, there have been many accusations that the Trump administration has mismanaged the pandemic, perhaps with the exception being Operation Warp Speed. And what, in your opinion, do you think has led to this? What has made this program work? What one person said to me, which really stuck with me, was that Warp Speed really plays to Trump's strengths, that he likes to manufacture things that he likes to leverage his relationships within the business world. And that's where Operation Warp Speed really comes together. So while it's definitely an, a conglomerate of different um, entities of the U.S. government, the activity and the actual execution here is coming from the companies themselves. And so the government's given out billions and billions of dollars of contracts to these companies, companies like Moderna, companies like AstraZeneca, J&J, they're large companies that are recipients of Operation Warp Speed money that they're using to help offset the costs of these very expensive large trials that they need to do to prove the vaccine is safe. So, so in some sense, that part of it plays to Trump's strengths. And another, another part of it is very, very good people have been appointed to the extent that Mansaf Slawi, who is a vaccine executive at GlaxoSmithKline, who spent years working on vaccines for public health crises, is running this operation. Having his expertise, someone like him, has been really pivotal. And there are also very high-level people within the military who've done a lot of logistics and operational support in major endeavors in the past. And so this combination of bringing in top talent in some of these very niche areas and this idea that Trump really liked this company-driven approach made Operation Warp Speed, this very unique, somewhat potentially positive outlier in the broader federal government response to COVID. And so let's get into perhaps 
the most public element right now of Operation Warp Speed, that is with vaccine development. How exactly has Operation Warp Speed been involved with choosing and, of course, supporting some of the various coronavirus vaccine candidates? One of the principal things Operation Warp Speed has done has given, they've given a lot of money to big companies to support big, large-scale trials. And you see some of the companies doing 60-person phase three trials. So the government has given away a decent amount of money in that regard. The other really interesting thing that we came upon was the amount of work the government had been doing to really help build the supply chain. So they have these, they've used the Defense Production Act much more so than we initially realized. And and the way it works as a company, we talked to one small supplier of a type of vial who said they had a power outage at their supplier in Chicago in the middle of the summer, and they didn't know how much that was going to slow them down. And so they brought this letter to the head of legal affairs at the energy company who turned the lights on. That was it. They just prioritized that plant so that the work could get done to get the vials produced to continue to the supply chain that underpins the production of a vaccine would be up and running. So it's been very interesting. I've been told that the Army Corps of Engineers comes in and gets involved when needed. They can expedite permits. Uh, the One of the main companies we focused on was Emergent because they're a contract manufacturer and they're working with J&J, Astra, and they've worked with Novavax. So that's a big component of the whole warp speed production capacity. It's it's half of the known companies right now that are working on vaccines are working with Emergent. And so in Emergent's case, they had pieces, uh, supply um, parts stuck in Sweden. And basically the government got involved and lo and behold, they were able to expedite supply items that might not have arrived until November or December. And they got them in August. So they're making vaccines right now. Whether or not we end up getting those vaccines are going to depend on the science. But the government's very much backing the production of vaccines so that the supply is there. It's a, it's a big bet on at least being ready if one of these vaccines is successful. What happens in terms of distribution? How will Operation Warp Speed be involved with, if a vaccine is approved, distributing it throughout the U.S.? Operation Warp Speed is saying right now they are ready so that a vaccine can start to be distributed within 24 hours of approval, which is quite rapid. They're working with McKesson and some large pharmacy chains in order to make sure that's possible. They're going to be tracking, as far as I understand, the dosage so that people are notified. Many of these vaccines are two-dose, so they're going to be notifying people if they need to get their second dose of a given vaccine. They have a legacy computer system from the CDC that they're upgrading to make this sort of technology and tracking possible. They're building the systems to be able to track utilization and dosage, be able to remind people if they need to get a second dose. And they're very much focused. They've been very public about this idea that they want to make sure they reach all Americans. So they're going to remote parts. They're trying to build the infrastructure so that people in remote parts of the U.S., in maybe rural America or islands, et cetera, are also able to get the vaccine. There are no way focused on only making this possible in the major metro centers where medical care is obviously more abundant. So I'd, I'd say that's a bit, but also been quite interesting to see how much attention has been paid to that next leg of the journey. Of course, we're we're looking at a week of a presidential election and, and we may have a new administration um, starting in 2021. So how might the outcome of the election affect Operation Warp Speed? How might a Biden administration otherwise affect the course of the program? 
So your question about distribution really hits on this, because my understanding is that the bulk of Operation Warp Speed's work, at least from the perspective of them getting the supply chain built up, is going to be done by January 2021, uh, were we to have a new president inaugurated at that point. Uh, the next job, really, after that is going to be disseminating this. I don't think any of these vaccines are likely to be rolling out until 2021. So it is really going to fall to the Biden administration if he were to succeed in the election this week. He has said to us through a spokesman that a Biden administration would be fully committed to Operation Warp Speed. And I'm sure that the Trump administration would be fully committed to Warp Speed too, given that's been their this whole thing has come together under the Trump administration. So really, I think the question of distribution is going to be what's left for the 2021 piece of this. I think either administration is going to be dedicated to that piece of it, but definitely there could be some turmoil. There could be high-level departures, and different people are going to have to take over and take up the helm. But I could see that being the only disruption is, you know, any personnel turnover if anyone were to leave, if there's a diff- an outcome where Biden wins the election. That was Cynthia Coons. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gospure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Cynthia Coons. Original music by Leo Citrin. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Shine. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.